And today I'm talking about devil deceiver. I want to let you in on something. The devil is a little bit more deceptive than decepto. I want you to know that. He, he's a little bit better what he does. And let's look at this as we look at devil deceiver. I want to just do just a quick review of a couple of scriptures that we looked at last week. John chapter 8, verse number 44. The word of God says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Notice the Bible says the devil is a liar. He is a deceiver. That's who he is. He's a a liar. He is a deceiver. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. The Bible says that the evil one, the one full of wickedness, he's so deceptive that he presents himself as an angel of light. He masquerades as an angel of light. Listen, he is a pro at deception. And what I want to do today, I want to help us, I want to to, to help us to expose the four biggest deceptions of the devil, that we can walk in victory and understand the weapons he tries to use against you and I, the four biggest deceptions of the devil. You can follow along with me in your bulletin, fill in the blanks. Number one is this, the first biggest deception is everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Revelations chapter 12 and verse 9 says, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Notice that he deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Satan and his demon force are deceiving the whole world. And one of the biggest ways the, the, the devil deceives the whole world is to get people to believe the lie that if it's popular, it must be okay. I mean, everybody's doing it. I mean, have you not seen my, my favorite actress, my favorite actor? They're, they're doing it. Have you not seen that the the music star, the, the rock star, the, the rapper, the, the singer, the artist, they're doing it. I mean, surely it's okay. Have you not seen the commercial? I mean, the, te- the devil has, has taken over the, the airwaves and, and he, he, he is deceiving the whole world through, through the airwaves. I mean, have you not seen the commercials and my favorite TV show? I mean, they're doing it. I mean, everybody's doing it. It's, it's got to be. Okay, surely, surely not that many people. Are wrong. Everybody's doing. I mean, come on. What you, you, you're too old-fashioned, man. This isn't the 1970s. This isn't Leave It to Beaver. This not in the 80s. This is not Bill Cosby and the Cosby Show. I mean, come on, man. This is this is the 2000s. This is the new millennium. I mean, come on. You you're way back in the 70s. You got to get up to time. Everybody, everybody's doing it, and people buy into. One of the biggest lies of our spiritual enemy, if it's popular, if everybody's doing it, it's got to be okay. I mean, you got to get up into the 21st century. You're you're way stuck in the mud. You got to pull yourself up to the 2000s, man, because everybody is doing it. It's a huge lie of the enemy that so many people 
buy into. There's a second one. This, this is big. I mean, this second lie is, is huge. Some of you have bought into this second lie. Number two is this. If it feels right, so it must be right. It, it, it feels right, so it must be right. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, notice, notice what's in the world. Notice, notice what is, is, is just consumed the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Notice what he says is not of the Father, but is of the world. And what the devil tries to do is he deceives people into believing that, that when they have these desires, these, these desires to, to the, the, of the lust of the flesh, sexual sin, and, and these desires of the, the lust of the eye, it's, it's, I, I've, got to have, I've got to have more. I've got to cover it. I've got to be greedy. I, I need more. This desire of the pride of life, it's, it's all about me. It, it's all about what I want. It's this arrogancy and this, this pride that, that, that consumed with, with selfishness. And the devil gets people to believe that if you have these desires and, and it feels right, it must be right. I mean, you, you feel that way. You got these desires. I mean, it's got to be okay. And, and I want you to see what, what, what John says in First John. He says, notice, notice. He says that these desires, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. He said, it's not of the Father. Don't buy into the lie of your spiritual enemy to think this is of God. I mean, it feels right. It's got to be of God. He says, no, it's not of God. It's of the world. It's from our spiritual enemy. And friends, can I tell you that the devil, he has been using this deceptive strategy from the very beginning. We go back to the first man and first woman, Adam and Eve. And the devil used this trickery. If it feels right, it must be right on Adam and Eve. Let, let's look at this together. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, exposing one of the biggest lies of the enemy. The Bible says, Genesis 3 and verse 1, now the serpent, that would be the evil one, Satan, the devil, the one who was kicked out of heaven down to earth, now the serpent was more crafty, cunning, deceptive, smooth, sly than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? I want you to see that the devil did not come to Adam and Eve as a little red little thing with, with horns and a tail and a pitchfork with fire coming out of his mouth. He's too smooth for that. He came as a little serpent. I mean, he's sly. He, he's cunning. Listen, listen, the devil's not coming to you with a pitchfork and some horns. Listen, man, the devil's coming to you with a skirt on, about up to here. Huh? With, with some tight stuff on, with some riding on the back. They said, look at me. Take that thing off. Amen. Huh, lady? Lady, the devil's coming at you with some clothes. Huh? In, in the mall. It says for sale. I'm going to save some money today. That's the devil. He's attacking you. He's to quit trying to save your husband some money. He's deceiving you. I should have got some amen, brothers. I'm trying to help out your household. 
The, the, the devil, he doesn't come with a pitchfork and horns. He, he's too sly. He's too smooth. He's too, he's too cunning. He, he came as a, a serpent. And notice verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. Adam and Eve knew what God said. And now notice the, the deception of the enemy. Verse 4. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. It, it's not as bad as God's making it out to be. I mean, it, I mean it, it's not going to be that bad. I mean, the consequences are, aren't that bad. I mean, God's exaggerating this thing. I mean, if you do that, it's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that bad. God says you're going to die. You're not going to die. Verse 5, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. The spiritual enemy says, and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. Yeah, listen, listen, Adam, listen, Eve. God's keeping something from you. I mean, you're going to enjoy this. This is going to be fun and desire. I mean, God's a killjoy. <laughs> I mean, you need to enjoy yourself. I mean, don't, don't, don't listen. God is, I mean, God's okay, but man, he's blowing this thing way out of proportion. Ver, ver, verse 6, the woman's response. She said, this, the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. That's the lust of the flesh. It's good for food. It feels good. Tastes good. I mean, I mean, this, this, I mean, it seems right. The lust of the flesh, it was drawing her in deception of the enemy. He goes on to say, and pleasing to the eye, the, the, the lust of the eye. I, I got to have more. I mean, it looks good. I mean, I know there's fruit all around, but that fruit right there is the best looking fruit of all. And I've got to, I've got to have it. I, I, I need more. The, the lust of, uh, of the eyes. And, and notice what it goes on to say in verse 6. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. The pride of life. It'll make me more like God. I mean, I, I, I've got to have this. It's going to benefit me because it really is about me kind of about what I want, and I'm a little selfish, I know, but, but it's about me. It's desirable for gaining wisdom. I, I'll be more wise if I do this. So she took and ate of it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it as well. And it seems right, so it must be right. And just like Adam and Eve, the serpent, the evil one, he comes to you and I with this deception, with this trickery, and he gets us to believe a lie that if it feels right and seems right, it must be right. And the Bible says this in the book of Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 12, there is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. There is a way that, that seems right, and we buy into this all the time. It seems right. It, it feels right. It looks right. So it must be right. I mean, it's, it's okay if we have sex before we get married. I mean, it's not, it's not that big a deal. I mean, I mean you, you, you know, you got you to gotta test drive the car before you buy it, baby. Come on now. I mean, you're going... You're going to have to have that woman all your life, man. You better go ahead and, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, I have these desires. I mean, these desires are from God. God created me. I mean, it can't, it can't be all that bad. There's a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. It is okay if we live together. It's not, it's not that big a deal. I mean, everybody... Everybody's doing it. 
It, it can't be that. I mean, it just makes sense. It's logical. That's smart because, I mean, I, I mean here, here's the deal. Here's the deal that, that if we live together, it's easier for us to pay the bills. I mean, it just it makes sense to me. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with them Christians, man. This is smart. This is, this is smart. This is just being economical. It's being frugal in the middle of a recession. I mean, this is just, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just smart. It's, it's, it's wisdom. I mean, yeah, I mean, come on, man. We got to, it makes sense to practice being married before we get married. I mean, we're going to do this the rest of our life. Let's practice and make sure we can live together on the same, before we actually do it. There's a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. It's, it's okay that I, that I act out on these homosexual desires. I mean, I, I, know, I know, I mean, I, I just, I have these feelings. I mean, and I feel like God must have brought this person because I have these strong feelings. And, I mean, why would I have these feelings if they weren't, if, if, if they weren't wrong? I mean, they, they got to be right. I feel this way and I have this attraction and I have this desire. I mean, it seems right. It feels right. It's got, how can it be wrong? And there's a way that seems right. But in the end, it leads, I, 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 my wife and I, we're, we're drifting apart, and we're not as close as we, as we used to be. And, you know, I just, don't, I just don't love them anymore. I just don't have those feelings anymore. And, I mean, you know, God wants me to be happy. I mean, you know that, don't you? God, God wants me, I mean, that's God's will is that I'd be, and I'm not happy right now. I'm not happy right now, and God, God wants me to be happy, and I know that's his will and his plan for my life is to be happy, and so I'm, I'm going to get a divorce because there's a way that, that seems right. It, it's, it's, it's okay if I cheat. I mean, you know, if I cheat, I'm going to make a little bit more money if I, if I just cheat a little bit and kind of cheat the government, cheat the work. I mean, I'm going to make, a, and Lord, you know, I can give a little bit more to your kingdom. If I, I mean, come, I mean, you know, you know Lord, I'll be able to help my kids. I'm like, Lord, you know it's my will to help my kids out. And there's a way that, it's okay if I tell a lie. I mean, if I don't tell the lie, I'm going to get in trouble. It just makes sense. I mean, if I tell the lie, I'm going to avoid a problem. I'm going to, I mean, God, you know, I mean, everyone, a little white lie, Lord, you know, it's not that big of a, not that big of a deal. And there is a way that seems right. It seems so right. It looks so right. It feels so right. But in the end, it leads to destruction. And the evil one uses this strategy on humanity all the time. There's a, a third deception I want to point out to you. The third biggest deception. Number three is this. God is gracious so I can live however I want. God is gracious so I can live however I want. Don't, don't miss this. I'm going to expose one of the devil, devil's biggest techniques and weapons. This is the, one of the greatest weapons that he has. Understand, the devil knows Scripture. It's one of his greatest weapons. He knows the Bible, and because he knows the Bible so well, he knows how to twist Scripture around to make us believe a lie. He, he used this strategy on Jesus. 
You can see it in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 5 through 7, the, 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 the strategy of the devil knowing the word of God. The Bible says this, then the devil took him to the holy city talking about Jesus and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. Everybody say it is written. This is the devil talking. He says, it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. How many of you ever met somebody and you're talking to them and they're trying to quote the Bible, but they're getting it all wrong? Like, you know, the Bible says, you think the Bible don't say that, you don't even know what you're talking about. But, but, but that's not the devil. The devil, he quotes the Bible accurately. Matter of fact, he's quoting Psalms chapter 91, verse 11 and 12 there. It's, it's okay. It's, you're gonna be, I mean, God's going to com 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 command his angels concerning you, and they'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the storm. I mean, the devil is quoting the Scripture accurately. He's, he's trying to convince Jesus by twisting the Scripture to sin. And Jesus' response back in verse 7, Jesus answered him, It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And Jesus is quoting back to the devil, Psalms chapter 78. He's talking to him. Please hear me, hear me, hear me. It's very important that you and I know the Word of God. It's important that we're studying the Word of God. It's important that we're in church hearing biblical teaching because the devil knows the Word of God and he tries to take the Word of God and he tries to use it and twist it to deceive us and for us to buy into a lie. And friends, can I, I tell you something about the devil? Just like he did that to Jesus, he tries to do it to you and I. He, he takes... He takes Scripture. He takes, he takes the truth and he mixes in a lie. He takes, he takes something that is accurate, it's true, and he manipulates it with a little lie. It's like rat poison. 90% of rat poison is corn. It's good. It's good corn. But it's the 10% of poison that makes it lethal. And friends, can I tell you, our spiritual enemy, he tells the truth, 90% of it. But what he does is he mixes in 10% of poison with the truth. And it's the poison that makes it lethal and destructive to our lives. I mean, he does tell the truth. The Bible says this. I read it to you earlier, that he masquerades around as an angel of light. He's no dummy. He's going to use truth. He's going to take truth, but he puts poison with it to get, us, to get us to fall and be deceived. I mean, you know, you know it. So live however you want. He uses this whole, whole, whole deception God's gracious. God will forgive you. I mean, just do what you want. And it's true. God is gracious. It's very true. God is a forgiving God. But the devil takes a truth and he, I mean, you just do what, you don't need to be one of those radical Christians. You don't need to change your life. Just live how you want. I mean, you know, just come to church and get your praise on. Just thank you. Throw your hand up. Thank you. I love you, Lord. But live how, you don't got to be, don't, don't get, take this thing too serious. You live how you want. God will forgive you. Just, just confess your sins. Live how you, however you want. It's a deception of the enemy. Listen to what the Bible says in Jude chapter 3, excuse me, Jude verse 3 and 4. The scripture says, dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else. 
urging you to defend the faith. How does Jude want them to defend the faith? He says, defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. In other words, God has abundant grace, and because of his abundant grace, you can live however you want. God is good. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Notice Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 through 2, Paul says this, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Everybody shout, by no means. Come on, shout it again. By no means. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, for the grace of God. Now, he's going to tell us the, 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 the point of the grace of God, what, what the grace of God should be doing in our life, how the grace of God should be directing us and leading us. Listen to what, what Titus says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. The devil, the evil one, the deceiver, he says to you and I that the grace of God is available to you so that you can live however you want. And the Bible says that the grace of God is available for us and it's the purpose for the grace of God is to lead us to holiness, to say no to wickedness, and it leads us, it drives us, it points us, it directs us to a pure and holy lifestyle. That's what grace is for. It leads us to a godly life, and the evil one takes grace and he manipulates it. And live however you want. There's a, a fourth lie of the enemy. I believe this is probably the biggest lie that many of you are facing today. Number four is this, I've already messed up, so what's the point? I've already messed up, so what's the point? Revelations chapter 12 and verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser, talking about Satan, the devil, for the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. You know what the devil does? Day and night, he accuses us before God. Those little demonic forces running around the world today, they, they are accusing us day and night. They, they, they like to mess with our minds and, and, and make us feel always guilty and condemned. You know what the devil loves to do is bring up our past. He's always bringing up our past and using it to make us feel unworthy make us feel shameful, make us feel guilty, make us feel condemned. The Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, godly sorrow brings repentance. Notice this, godly sorrow brings repentance, or in other words, it brings about a changed life that leads to salvation and leads 
no regret, no, no sorrow, no, no condemnation, no, no guilt, no, no shame, but worldly sorrow brings death. I want to talk to you about godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow for the next few moments. I want to talk to you about condemnation versus conviction. Here's what condemnation does. Condemnation, it leads us to guilt. It leads us to feeling unworthy. It leads us to feeling condemned and shameful. Here's what condemnation does. Condemnation pushes us away from God. I mean, we, we feel these thoughts and the devil's putting these lies in our mind. I mean, look at you. Look, you blew it last week. I can't even believe you're in church today. Look, you, look, you just you just started coming to church. Look, look at these. You can't be like one of these Christians. <laughs> Give me, give me, give me a break. I mean, look at you. You're just dirty and that. You're so unworthy. I don't even know why you're even trying to serve God. Give it, give it a break. I mean, God, God's going to use you. <laughs> God can't use you. Look at you. Look at all the mistakes you've made. You old nasty, dirty person. You all just, you need to quit coming to church anyway. I can't even believe you're coming. Hey, you know, you know what condemnation does? You feel this sorrow, you feel this guilt, but it's not, it's not a, a godly sorrow. It's a sorrow that's pushing you away from Jesus. It's a sorrow that's pushing you away from God. It's a sorrow that, that's pushing you away from the things of God. But conviction, conviction drives us to God. Conviction pushes us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Conviction says, I, I've messed up and I feel bad. I feel horrible. I feel sorrowful. But this sorrow is not telling me to get out of church and quit serving God. This sorrow, I feel, says, man, you got to get right with God. You got to turn your life to God. You got to repent. You got to keep chasing after God. You got to stay in church. You got to keep loving on Jesus Christ. You got to keep going towards God. Condemnation pushes you away from God. Conviction pushes you towards God. And Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. Stop living in condemnation. Listen to me. Some of you have messed up. You've fallen down. Listen, get back up. There is grace. There is mercy. Keep pursuing Jesus Christ with all of your heart. The psalmist said that the righteous man or woman falls down seven times but they get back up. I've come to tell somebody, get back up. Quit running away from God. Quit trying to get out of church. Stay with God. Keep serving God. Keep living to God. For God, keep running towards God. I might preach up in here today. Amen. <laughs> Condemnation. Versus conviction. Conviction will draw you towards Jesus Christ because he loves you. He wants to wash you. He wants to change you. He wants you to have a relationship with him. Condemnation always drives you away. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Well, you're already messed up. <laughs> so what's the point? It's a lie from the spiritual enemy. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for your word. <clears throat> thanks for your presence in this place.